Pete goes on his first Christian tour, and guys, it seems like he's pissing people off. Wait, am I allowed to say pissing on this show? We'll talk about it right after this. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crashing After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. And guys, I'm not alone. I have my co-pilot, Elena Jordan. I'm back. Elena, we're so glad you're back. How (laughs) the heck was Amazing Con in Hawaii? It was phenomenal. Amazing Comic Con. Aloha. Absolutely crushed it. Um, There also will have the June show in Las Vegas. We be so back? if you guys want to check that out, yeah, I'll be in Las Vegas too. So because Elena does June. like moderate-y stuff, right? Yeah, I so cool. Talk to people, interview them, occasionally do some panels. Nice of my own. Great. But, I um, mean, like Comic Con this year, San Diego Comic Con. The only panel I did was how to be a host, and it felt like a cop out. Well, if, if I was you're, like, I'm not actually hosting. Uh, that's, that's okay. <laughs> but you know what? I would rather go to Hawaii than San Diego. So, and they're both great. I'll go to both. Let's do both. <laughs> And guys, my name is Jeff Graham. You can find me on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham. And I am also super stoked to talk about this episode of Crashing because, again, this is the Crashing After Show where we talk about HBO's hit comedy, Crashing. We are talking about Season 3, Episode 7, The Christian Tour, today. And we will not only be reviewing the episode, we will also be giving you some news and gossip, maybe making some predictions. And we have some great viewer comments this week because... Turns out people listen to our show. Hey! So I'm excited to shout some of you guys out on air. But the first thing we're going to do is, of course, discuss the episode. Elaine, I want to get your take on this episode, like your overall thoughts. I really, really liked this episode. I feel like we've been seeing Pete kind of at odds with who he wants to be as a comic and who Mm. he wants to be as a person. And I feel like this episode just really encapsulated all of those issues that he's been having. And I I loved Jessica Kirsten making a little Kirsten making an appearance and kind of, you know, I feel like he almost took that as a reiteration for what he's been thinking is that he needs to step away, like feeling busted by the cool kids. But Mm -hmm. I really like that. She was just saying, you know, this is a business move as well. You have to, you have to know not only the religious aspect of it, but also you as a comedian, as a performer, if this is going to be your business and you're making good money, be aware of that as well. For sure. Yeah. I didn't know I could like Jessica Kirsten more, but it was great to have her on this episode. And, I, again, I feel like I sound like a broken record because I say this all the time, but it was a surprising take on comedy, approaching comedy, right? Because, oh, nice. Hey. There it is. Um, because, oh, broken record. Very good, Steve. That's our producer <laughs> in the booth who's smarter than I am. Um, but again, I think like the more reductive version of the show, or like maybe the 90s version of the show, would have had like a really kind of lame and roll your eyes Christian tour, which we had pieces of. But for a fellow respected comic to be like, you know, you've got to find your voice. And if this is your voice, that's, that's okay, was a surprisingly nuanced and non judgmental approach. Um, so I really appreciated that. And the cat stuff is so interesting to me. Yeah, cats out of the bag, man. Cats out of the bag. <laughs> well done. Um, actually, I think I want to start with the cat of it all because yeah. that stood out to me. So we'll we'll start with that and then discuss the Christian stuff in a minute. But um, th- the last like episode and a half of Cat is so interesting. I just did not see this coming. I was not expecting this kind of sharp turn, mm-hmm. even though it to me is realistic because. Yeah. It's a situation, like, last week we saw her kind of show her ass a bit at this 
show that was supposed to be supporting Allie. Mm -hmm. I can kind of get where she's coming from, though. Like, this is Pete dropping everything to go support his ex-girlfriend again without fully giving her all of the information. I feel like it's really a communication breakdown more than anything. But seeing her insecurities coming through, I think, is what is so jarring to Pete. Right. Because up until this point, she's really kind of fallen to the the manic pixie dream girl category, where they have this, oh, she's so crazy, she's she knows herself so well, she's so she can do whatever she wants. She we can have go sex in a dressing bang room, bang in a dressing room, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I I really like that she pointed out to him like these are not passive things that are happening to you. Mm. I did not happen to you. You engaged me, and you had a relationship with a person that you didn't know how to handle because you're still trying to figure yourself out. So for him to basically be like, I can mess up and just, oh, I'm Pete, you expect it. But for her to do anything that isn't put on a pedestal means that she then just is nothing to, you know, it's like he just throws her away and sends her a text, like a breakup text. Yeah. That is just, I think that just shows mentally where he is and how he's still kind of developing. Yeah, he's not a emotional adult yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, we've seen Pete, this is really a coming of age show. Um, excuse me, guys. And it's, you know, he's coming of age comedy wise, but we need to watch him come of age relationally and he's still kind of getting there. And, um, I, I agree with you. This this was really surprising and very realistic. And I think I'm not used to seeing like realistic female characters on TV. Like I feel like in like the nineties we got like really maybe idealized versions of women on TV. Mm-hmm. And then like Girls came out, which is a show that I love, let me be clear, and I love Judd Apatow, but I feel like we got like sort of like the human garbage version of women on that show. No offense. Because <laughs> and again I love that show, but like Hannah Horvath is terrible. Um, And I feel like this is sort of a realistic woman, you know? It's like, at the beginning, we saw, like, sort of maybe an overly idealized version of her, and then last episode, like, I think she has a drinking problem. The thing I think is, like, you have an issue with alcohol. And I'm like, yeah, I I could see someone who was being treated this way reacting this way. Whether or not it's justified or right, it's something that I've seen, or that we could see. And so it's just strange. I'm not used to seeing such a... uh, Like, everything on this show... I don't feel like there's a take on her character. Yeah. We're just being shown something. I love that, though, because yeah. I feel like the most dynamic and the strongest female characters aren't necessarily the ones that make the strongest right choice. Mm-hmm. People, you know, when you say strong female character, people immediately go like, oh, like a Katniss Everdeen who swoops in and saves the day. You know, a Captain Marvel who swoops in and saves the day. Right. Or, you know, a Ramona Flowers who takes this broken man and helps fix him. And it's like, that's not anybody's job. You right. need to work on yourself and fix yourself. And so having a a depiction of a person just as a person and not taking into account like, oh, this isn't what falls into the female character trope, I think is part of what makes this show so groundbreaking is because it's actually taking a realistic approach and not demonizing any of the characters yeah. and showing that everybody is nuanced and everybody has these these different levels that react differently in different situations. Right, and no one's right or wrong. Exactly. They're just all living. It's really interesting. Um, we had you guys jump in on the cat of it all. I feel like I was a little one-sided last week, and partially it's because I was only one side of the conversation. <laughs> I was the only one here. So I had to be one-sided. But you guys brought some really great insight in our comment section. So I'm going to try to just pick out some highlights from you guys. I'm going to start with Eric Roach, who commented three days ago and said, I find your and many others' take on cat to be very surprising. I found it clear from near the very beginning 
beginning of their relationship that she was a bit selfish and controlling and not good for Pete. They planted seeds of her complete freakout throughout the season, which I didn't really see. I, I, one thing I love is Madeline Wise's performance. I feel like wasn't telegraphing this. To me, at least. So, good for Eric. Um, but she was always pushing her perspective and feelings onto Pete. And we see him eventually succumb because he's so infatuated by her. There's a lot more here, but I... Hop in our comment this section like and check it out. a long comment, too. I know, I'm, I'm looking like, at it. I'm into this discussion, it's guys. It's great. Um, and then I'm just going to read Give Me Shelter, because he kind of takes... Or she takes the other side. I felt for Kat this episode. It was a build-up, and she shouldn't be scapegoated this episode by you or other fans, in my opinion. And... And why was the ex-wife there and and his previous fling? Pete's responsibility was to Cat and only Cat at the club. If Allie needed consoling, it was the job of her boyfriend or her girlfriends to support her. Pete's ignorance when it comes to relationships is a huge deal, and he was deaf to what was underneath of what Cat was trying to say. I agree with part of that. Yeah. What I do don't you think? feel I feel like that's I feel like that's almost demonizing Pete a little too much. Like I feel like there was faults on both sides. I understand why Allie felt that she could invite her friend, whether it's Pete's ex-wife or not. Yeah. You know, it's again, they keep saying they're there for Allie, they're there for Allie. Well, then let Allie bring in her friends. Right. And I really loved the scene where they were in the bathroom. And they're like, we should totally hang out with her when they break up. It was hilarious. I loved it. It was fun to just see Pete, like, totally thrown <laughs> under the bus there. But it also, like, made me freak out. Like, what does my wife do when she goes into the woman's bathroom? <laughs> Not um, that. Wait, I'm, Jeff I'm, has a wife? I've got... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I have a wife, and I talk about her a lot because I really like her, okay? Um, finally, we have Bella Blondie 712. This is just one more interesting take, and it's a little different even than those other two. My first thought during this episode was that Kat was definitely written from a male perspective, and that felt unfair. But ultimately, this did seem like a pretty realistic depiction once I accepted that. Pete makes these choices that drive Kat's reactions and doesn't take any ownership or responsibility for it. Pete forgot to tell Kat about Allie in the hotel. Okay. When Kat went off the rails, fueled by insecurity and alcohol, Pete let her run into the middle of the street and abandoned her and went back to Allie. So, I love it. I, um... I look back on my coverage from last week, and it does kind of feel like maybe a bit of a one-dimensional take. So I love that you guys brought that. And we have a comment section every week, so hop in there. And if podcast listeners are listening right now, you should check out our comment section. Yes, and also, thank you guys so much for helping us be the ESPN of TV Talk. We love hearing your comments, not just for this show, but for all the shows here at AfterBuzz TV, and we have a lot. And to make it a little easier for you guys, we've broken them all up into categories, so you can subscribe comedy, sci-fi, drama, reality, whatever you're into, all of the above, if you're me and want to see all of it. Yes. Um, You don't have to worry about notifications. Those are optional. You can turn them on, turn them off. Um, But we love, love, love hearing your feedback. So rate us, give us those five stars, subscribe, give us comments, YouTube iTunes, SoundCloud, especially iTunes. We don't get too many comments on iTunes, and we want to know what you iTunes listeners are thinking. We do, and just so you guys know, when you give us those five stars on iTunes, it kind of iTunes will promote our podcast more, which just means so much, and you can help other people find this show and support Sweetie Petey Pants Holmes. So, (laughs) yes, there it is. I love it. So, we love being here. We love that you're here. Keep helping us out. And we'll keep reading your comments. We'll keep reading your comments. Any more thoughts on Kat before we sort of move on to the Christian tour? You know, I I agree with those comments. I mean, literally the bouncer saying that someone got hit in the street the other day and Pete is still just letting her run amok drunk in the street. Yeah. Not a good move. I feel like she was completely justified this episode, sending texts saying, you know, call me right now. Don't just shut down communication completely. Yeah. And I feel like that was a big growing moment for Pete, too, was having this conversation, this kind of wrap-up, the exit interview, (laughs) which 
you know, I think a lot more people would be happy in their exiting situations if they do have an exit interview. I yeah, it's nice. It puts a little bit of closure on something. Exactly. And, um, and I mean, she's just this totally fearless person that she's even saying, you know, I get why you didn't call me. You're afraid. Right. And that's fine. I get it. But like, I know Tough you chick. well enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, she gets it. Right. So I feel like he didn't really have anything to be afraid of speaking to her, but he clearly was. <laughs> and I feel like John's advice was some of the best advice that I've heard is that, you know, if a relationship ends... As long as it got you one step closer to figuring out who you are and you were able to take that and benefit from it as a person, then you're good. Right. Speaking of, uh, oh, I'm a just quick adjustment <laughs> in the booth. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. 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 I think I'm cutting in and out. Um, speaking of endorsements of Pete's relationship... Amy Schumer is definitely Team Cat here. It was kind of fun oh, to see her, yeah. huh? yeah. Amy Schumer... I mean, I knew that she was going to be on the show in some capacity. I do wish that it was a little bit more. They give us these cameos sometimes, and they're so quick that I'm like, okay. It happens fast. Um, but yeah, this was good stuff from Cat and Pete. But you mentioned John, so let's transition to this Christian comedy tour. First of all, it was just fun to see like the different types of artists that go on these Christian tours. Particularly, I loved the Christian magician. Yes! I thought that was awesome! It was dope, yeah. <laughs> Any other? Um, I would watch that. I'd for sure watch that. Um, how did you feel about Pete's stand-up during these uh, Christian sets? We sort of got two. Um, yeah, his like too far stand-up. Yeah, he said the, the P-I-S-S word. You guys. Well, that was the not even the too far stand-up. Yeah, that was the uh, not quite that far was enough. The, I'm trying to be good. Ooh. That was what everyone in the audience said. Yes. Uh, when he said pissed. Right. No, I don't think anybody even noticed that except for Marcy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I liked his set. I thought that it was funny. I mean, we've seen little bits of his Christian comedy before. Um, I mean, he clearly intentionally went too far mm-hmm. with it in this episode, which to me, the issue with that was that it was an intentional too far mm-hmm. when he was basically trying to sabotage himself and know, pull himself though. out. Like, I don't know if I saw it that way. I. He knew he was going to get booted, but I also don't think he was deliberately booting himself. I just think he was deliberately listening to his comedy heart. But it wasn't as funny as the first one. I like actually was, disagree. I, I just you know. I felt that his second set was funnier than his really? first. Yeah, the Abraham and Isaac stuff had me roll. And the, the 204 skins. I don't know. That, like, really tickled. To, maybe I'll use a different word. That, uh, <laughs> that really... Uh, that really, um, I was going to say sprung my fancy, but also totally not yeah, appropriate. No. I it's thought that was funny. Any, yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. It's hard to use any sort of colloquialism if you're also talking about foreskins. A lot of phallic a things, to, huh? Yeah. Things get phallic very fast, um, which is something you don't say on every after show. But no, yeah, I, I do. To me, the second set was funnier. So that's interesting. You preferred his first set. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like... Because to me, it's like what John was saying, where he's like, you know, the the squishy noises and everything, like mm-hmm. go and wait. To me, that just felt like he was going a little bit too extreme. Like he was trying to go for like gross out humor, but still keep it in the context of the Christian comedy. Yeah. It just, it seems like it was a mixing of genres that he knew wasn't going to work necessarily, but that he did, again, I guess, to prove a point to himself. Right. I thought it was dumb. Yeah. I just straight up, I'm with Jessica here. I'm like, you're making a thousand bucks a night. Play by the rules. It's the same thing I said when Allie went against the rules at NACA. 
if you're every comedy set has a different set of rules. Mm. Every club that you go into, every tour that you do, every situation, you have to play by those rules or you're not going to be a good business person and to be successful in comedy, you also have to be a good business person. Mm. And I feel like that was just him shooting himself in the foot less because it was like a, oh yeah, here's my statement and more of just a, because he's still kind of adrift. It's a hot take. I, I hear what you're saying, but do you think the show, again, it's like the show's never telling us how to feel, is it? Like it's the thing I love about this. Our discussions is like, everything feels pretty valid and like it could be easily supported by the writing. I kind of felt like, the show was saying, like, sure, lean into your subculture if you're being true to yourself. Like, I think when she said, just make sure you're as funny on stage as you are off stage, I felt like that was the moment when Pete was like, I don't know if it's good for me, if it's, you know, artistically healthy for me, even if it's okay to be doing this tour. So... Almost like he's watering himself down. Yeah, that's how I And felt. not the kind of water that Jesus turned to wine. Just <laughs> nice. water. Just water. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a post-wine water. This is just H2O. Um, so I, I, I felt... But she's just got an H2 go. <laughs> Elaine, it's too much. We need Josh back. I'm sorry. We need, no, both of us. We need a referee. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of felt like, even though it would have been okay for him to stick to his crowd like John did... It wouldn't have been okay for him to stick to the crowd, is sort of how I took it. I mean, I guess. I understand where, in the context of this show, we see, like, the whole, where the bluegrass band is playing the song, and then we get the Johnny Cash version while he's coming back to New York. And, you know, the kind of flickering sign above the comedy joint, and, oh, this is my tried and true... But to me, I mean, it wasn't a sellout thing. You've been working so hard Mm. to make it to this level to then sabotage yourself instead of finishing the tour. It's like, just finish the tour, man. Like, take the money, finish the tour, put a button on the end of that. Just don't re-up your contract. Right. You've already signed this contract. You're now, even if it's saying it's because I need to be true to myself, you're showing other bookers that you don't have the wherewithal Mm. to commit to something and see it all the way through. True. So And, you know, no matter what the genre or the environment, the benefit and the space to perform on stage in front of crowds is so valuable for new stand-ups. Yeah. And he's compromising all of that by leaving the tour. And literally being paid $1,000 a night, yeah. 50 bucks a minute, that's huge. That's huge. And he could use that as leverage for other tours that are not Christian tours. He's just not really thinking. He's not having his own best interest in heart. It's kind of like... Kat was saying, is you think all of these things are happening to you, you're taking a passive role in your own life, not aware of the fact that you are actively creating these situations. You are making these choices that lead to all of these. Everything that you do is a choice, Mm. and there are consequences for those actions. So it's not a passive situation where you're just, you fall into this tour, and then we'll see what I fall into next. You have to actively make moves. Smart. (laughs) <laughs> it's a smart girl over here. Elena That's Jordan. the only issue that I've had with this show so far is yeah. that he's kind of, there have been situations and I'm like, mm, as somebody who hung out at the comedy store for quite some time, nobody was like, hey, do you need to crash on my couch for a while? Yeah. Like, I'm a huge celebrity. It's a little maybe the, you know, the TV version of what yeah, New York Times is like. it's like, mm. You know, yeah. It's less the TV version of New York stand-up than like a Seinfeld, but it's still not like the gritty, like... Yeah, Yeah. I just feel like that needs to be addressed a little bit more, and I feel like it was somewhat in this one, but 
I want to see consequences of him dropping out of this tour. Yeah. Well, I, I actually think we might. I think episode eight's going to be like the regret. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, just some other stuff with this episode. I really enjoyed the direction. This was Gillian Robespierre again. I um I did love like the music, sort of the folksy, gospely bluegrass, and that shot of him riding back into New York in the cab. I thought was really nice. It was sort of that indie movie, sort of Sundancey type of tone, which I love. I, yeah, I thought that was really, really a nice choice having mm-hmm. the same song played. Because I think that's where he is. Is he's still playing the same song? He just doesn't know what genre he wants to play it. Like, is he going to go as a full Christian gospel bluegrass version, or is he going to be the Johnny Cash version that's a little bit edgier on stage? That's such a good take. Sometimes I forget to be a host on this show, and I just listen to Elena's take, and I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Oh, wait, me too. Yeah, my thoughts. I like it. That makes me feel good. It's good. (laughs) Um, It's been wonderful to have you on this panel. Any other thoughts about this episode before we do some segment-y stuff? I thought he handled himself really, really well on the radio program. Mm-hmm. I thought that that is something that, you know, he was showing that he can navigate difficult situations. But I think that just, again, reiterates that he is making these choices and yeah. any consequences that come from him are because of his actions. And he needs to be aware of that. Yeah, and speaking of the radio show real quick, I love that they brought Jessica Kirsan into that. And that was a nice way for us to transition into those two, just having some nice buddy yeah. stuff. Um, love seeing Charleston. I was actually there last, uh, fall and a half ago, but it was oh, kind nice. of fun. It's a great city if you've never been. I haven't been in forever. It's it's cool. It's very, uh, it's hard to say that there's anything that's actually historic in this country, but Charleston is like one of the few places that's like, oh, there's like some real history here. Whereas in Europe, it's like you sneeze and it's accidentally like a century old statue that you sneeze, <laughs> or a, a millennium old statue that you sneezed on. Um, I like, oh. I was just going to speak a little more on Jessica Kirsten. Love seeing her, and I thought this show really nailed, like, the condescending Christian who thinks they're open-minded but isn't quite there. Like, when she was, like, you know, I would have joined you for lunch, but, like, she was just a little too New York for me. That was, like, such an astute observation of how closed-minded evangelicals, like, negotiate the world. It was yeah, really good. I liked his response to I think she's from New Jersey. And it's like, <laughs> clearly, it's not the location. It's like, yeah. she's saying, she's a lesbian. I'm not into that. Right. Um, I loved, too, just the very subtle uh, conversation when they're in the horse-drawn carriage, when mm-hmm. she's saying, you know, I'm glad I ran into you. And because otherwise I would have just stayed in my hotel mm-hmm. all day and night. And I think that kind of touches on the kind of secluded nature that a lot of stand-up comedians feel, especially on tour. Yeah. It is a community, but it's also a very isolating situation, yeah. whereas he has this whole group that's embracing them. They're all on their their bunk beds. He's got John mm. supporting him. He's got a network of support, and he's saying how nice that is, too, in addition to the money, and he's willing to kind of negate all of that to try to go out on his own and kind of make it on his own, which... In some situations, I'm like, okay, yeah, go Pete. But at the same time, I'm like, don't break down your support system just to prove a point. That's What's the point? That you can still go do crappy, like, D-list comedy clubs? Like, you can do that when you come back, man. I think I especially disagree, Elena, which is totally (laughs) valid. But I want to hear what you guys think in the comments, because do we feel like Pete is self-sabotaging? Did he torpedo a great opportunity? Or was he right to stick to his artistic instincts. Let us know in the comments what you think. And I want to talk a bit about Jessica Kirsan. Normally we do a special segment and show some stand-up, but we get a little nervous with uh, what YouTube might do, so just want to shout her out. She's a wonderful comic. Um, I think that, like, 
sort of queer Jewish point of view is really refreshing and kind of special. And I really loved her in this episode. It was nice to see her act because we're just used to her stand up. So. I, um, yeah, I like seeing her, yeah. and I have very little news, but the only news that I do have is that she was just... Hey! There it is. Uh, is that she was just signed on for Skankfest, so oh, nice. she's going to be, you know, the next to- title of the Christian tour, Skankfest, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> now that Pete's gone, it's only the Skanks left over. But yeah, I'm like, I was, so go Jess. Go it. Jess, um, and we love you on the show. <laughs> Speaking of some news... Um, let's talk first about Pete was just featured. It was a TV insider. You said it was, I believe well, he was on TV insider, but it was also, uh, I think like NY local. Cool. It's crashing. Doesn't get a ton of coverage. NYU local, yeah. NYU local. But it's nice because I feel like press reporters have these sort of direct lines to the show creators and producers, which isn't often the case with TV shows. So if you guys go check out that coverage, it's really nice to see some of the nuanced takes they can offer about what we're seeing on screen. So definitely check out that article. And speaking of news, I feel like we'd be kind of remiss not to mention Finding Neverland, which is, uh, sorry, Leaving Neverland, which is very different from Finding but, Neverland. Yeah, I was like, we're going to talk about Finding Neverland. Talk about Peter Pan a little bit. <laughs> um, HBO is very hotly press-worthy right now because they aired part one of a salacious Michael Jackson documentary. The only reason I bring it up is because it is the lead into Crashing, so I'm assuming a lot of you guys watched it. Um, part two airs tonight. Oprah's going to handle it afterwards, which is just the Oprah-est thing ever. Um, so if you if you had a chance to check out Finding Neverland, let us know. That's something I think that's Leaving common. Neverland. Oh my gosh, I keep... <laughs> <laughs> Leaving Neverland, thank you. Just let us know what you think. It's, it's, I've never seen, at least in 2019, I haven't seen a piece of media create such divisive opinions. Um, so if you have a take on Leaving Neverland and want to comment below, I'm sure a lot of our audience has also watched it. Um, and that's... Crashing's leading, so I bet they got a little uh, spike in the ratings because I think a lot of people watched that last night. Yeah, so hopefully it'll get more people into the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, finally, shall we predict some things? Let's make some predictions. Yeah. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. I did not watch the next week on. I don't know I if did. you did. Okay, so you start. Because you can help me. A do you want bit. me to? Do yeah, you want please. Me to let me spoil know. Spoil a little next on. Yes, spoil a little bit. So, spoiler. Hey, hey, next week's episode, as we know, is the finale. Yes. And John Mulaney, who oh. we've been referencing a lot, um, asked for Pete by name as an opener. Whoa. And he's very excited. Unfortunately, he actually asked for Ben Holmes, not Pete Holmes. <laughs> And so there's going to be something going on with that. I okay. know, too, Allie and Ted break up. Oh. There's just a quick little thing. I'm thinking probably because of the way that the cat conversation went when she's saying, you know, you saw me as an escape, basically. Mm-hmm. And then when your ex-girlfriend started showing you some interest, you got bored with me and left. I don't know if I fully agree with that. I'm also like, you acted like a you-know-what and ran out in the street and caused a big scene. Bye. You know, no apology for that. We'll just glaze over that right. then, Kat. Um, <laughs> we, I mean, we've like, all had too much tequila. Yeah, but you apologize after. That's true. Like, that's, that's the true. thing. It's yeah. like, I'm sorry I was a jerk to all of your friends. Right. Granted, she didn't really have time to apologize, just getting a breakup text, I understand. Yeah. Um, but I feel like because of that and because they've kind of pushed this whole situation, I hope they don't, but I think it may be looking towards a Pete Alley reconciliation 
Yeah, I don't know how I feel because on one hand I love Jamie Lee and I like the I like that there's a reason to keep her around. So like narratively I like the necessity of her being around if that happens. But I also agree. I don't know if I'm, like, shipping them. Yeah. I want her to just be friends. I right. want them to show that you can be friends with people. Yeah. Because especially in the stand-up comedy scene, a lot of people have dated each other. Yeah, and you're going to see each other all the time. And so I like this idea of them just being friends and supporting each other. Yeah. But without there being any sort of almost like a transactional nature. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, he supported her. So now she should get back with him after they break up. I just don't like that idea, that trope. Like, I don't think that anytime that a female character is shown as almost like a prize to be won, mm. I feel like it completely negates yeah. their character. It's a little easy for the show. Like they dated once and now they're working together. So of course they would get back together. So I think there's a way the show could do it to convince me if it's done really interestingly and in a sharp way that we haven't seen, but I don't know if I'm really shipping them in a romantic way either. I don't like it. Do we think we're done with Kat? I don't think so, just because she's such a dynamic character, and, man, the acting is just... I know, she's great. She's so good. I'm just like, I feel like they'll, they'll have to find some way to bring her back in, because she also creates situations. Yeah, you're right. She's a nice uh, conflict generator. Yeah. I just think Madeline Wise, and of course we're a little biased because we did bring her on the show, so check out that interview because she brought a lot of insight to the show and her character, but I find her to just be a very interesting actress. Very I feel wise. like Yeah, very that wise. Very wise. <laughs> but you know, like, these, we don't often, first of all, don't see really tall women on TV, so it's dope to see just like, it's like, oh, a woman who's like sometimes taller than the men around her. Like, that's a thing that I really appreciate, but I just think she's often making choices performance-wise where like, I'm like, oh, I did not see that coming. So it yeah. makes me excited to see, I hope we see a lot more of this actress, whether or not it's on this show. I would like to see more with her character and her emotional growth, because yeah. they've kind of set her up as the dream girl, and now that they've shown some of her flaws, I think that makes her even more interesting. Totally. So we will see, of course, next week, guys. Tragically, it is the finale, but I'm very excited to discuss it with you, Elena. And we're excited to discuss it with you guys, too. One more time, it was so nice having comments last week. So if you guys want to hop in the comments and give us your thoughts, we will respond and maybe read them on air. Meantime, guys, my name is Jeff Graham. You can find me on Twitter at Jeffrey C. Graham. If you're in the very small Venn diagram of people who watch this and The Bachelor, I will be covering that tonight. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's the one where Colton jumps a fence, which has sort of been sort of like the... Um, it's like the infinity rings of The Bachelor. So it's a really big moment. Yeah, so definitely check me out because I'll have plenty of thoughts there. Elena, how about you? I'm just now excited about The Bachelor. I I just want to see, like, does he, like, snap his fingers and half of them disappear? Uh, Actually, yeah. That that, (laughs) that was more like episode four. Oh, Um, dang. But yeah, it's been been a heck of a season. No matter what you will say about The Bachelor, it's very good TV. I hope he's able to find himself a lovely wife like Jeff has. I've got a wife. (laughs) Jeff has a wife. I have a wife. I don't. I have a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do have a Twitter and an Instagram. My Twitter is Elena Jordan, and you can find me on Instagram at Elena J. Jordan and I will be right after this show doing the Russian Doll after show so click on over to that one when you're done over here. That's probably a bigger Venn diagram of Russian Doll crashing crashing, fans. So check out Elena on Russian (laughs) Doll and check us out next week at 5pm on Monday and thanks for tuning in guys. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. 
Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.